Hi, everyone. I hope you're well. Welcome to 2023. And thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. Kane, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. It's kind of odd to hear you say 2023, to be honest. It's it like, is. Wow. It's already it here. is hot. You know, one of my dear friends had, had asked me this. She said, instead of a resolution for, for 2023, what is a word to set your intention for 2023? And I thought about this and I thought, you know, there's multiple words, but probably the one word that I would use to set my intention is joyful. I think I'm going to go about this year with joy. Kane, what is yours? Now you're really putting me on the spot (laughs) because I haven't, you said you thought about it. I haven't thought about it. But the first word that came into my mind was focus and just set my intention to what I want to focus on. Okay. I like it. Okay, so we're going to focus on your word. Today, we're going to focus on something called the Emsula chair. Well, before we, we do that, <clears throat> speaking of focusing, I, wanna, I want to just acknowledge the, and give thanks to everybody that's listened and given us feedback. It has, I think I'm, I can say this for you, it certainly has for me, it's far exceeded our expectations with this podcast. And I mean, literally people all over the world are listening to it, which is kind of cool. But but ultimately, it's accomplishing, I think, the goal that you set out to, which was to better inform patients and almost have it be an extension of a consultation so that when patients come in to consult with you, they can, they're already a step ahead and can, and can make more informed decisions on what's best for them. Right. That's the intent of it. And I, I'm glad that it's we're able to have this as a tool for our patients. So thank you and continue to subscribe so you can get the latest notifications. Okay, back to you. Okay. Okay. So back to Emsula Chair, which, Kane, you've had a little experience sitting on the throne. I have. And <laughs> I, I, I will discuss that as we, as we get a little bit further. But when I do want to say when, when you hear the Emsula Chair, a lot of people may not understand what that is. But here in the Charlotte area, it's actually very popular. There are businesses that run commercials on TV that advertise this. This is the only thing that they do. And so in the Charlotte area, there's, it's, it's a very, very popular therapeutic option for people. And what we're going to set up for today for the MSL chair cane is I want to go over a little bit about the type of condition that it can treat. And I want to set up kind of the, the appropriate patient for it, what are the contraindications and what I mean by that? What what are things that are not indicated for this type of procedure? We'll go through that. Like who are the ones that we rule out? And then also talk a little bit about what the treatment is and what expectations can be like for this type of treatment. Yeah, I think that's always the key part is setting the appropriate expectations. Okay, so we're going to launch right into this. And so when we talk about urinary incontinence, which the word incontinence is basically involuntary leakage of urine. And there's three main types, and I'll try to keep this short so I don't lose people on this, but there, there's stress urinary incontinence, there is urge urinary incontinence, and there's a mixed urinary incontinence. Now, the one that we're going to primarily focus on is stress urinary incontinence. And what that is, that is when there's something that you do to kind of, whether you cough or laugh or sneeze, where you basically are increasing the, the intra-abdominal pressure and you feel like you might have a little leak. So sometimes when patients laugh real hard, they might feel like they have to cross their legs or they might leak a little bit. And Kate, you've heard me say this where I say, don't make me laugh, don't make me laugh. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> this is true. 
It's, this I think this was probably a big part of you wanting to invest in this technology. Oh yeah, this this chair I bought for myself, but and for patients. But this was the primary thing was I wanted to have something where I can improve my pelvic floor musculature, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Now I'm going to differentiate it between urge urinary incontinence. That's when you feel the need to urinate. You feel that 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 need coming on, but you can't quite make it to the toilet, and so you leak a little bit. And this can have multiple thing, uh, multiple reasons why you have this. I mean, maybe it's a urinary tract infection. Maybe you're a diabetic. Maybe there is other components, spinal cord injury, et cetera, that can cause these type of things. These type of incontinence is not something that Imsula chair can, can benefit the patient with. Is the urge incontinence. Is the urge, correct. But it can with stress. It can with stress urinary incontinence. And that's really just where like... You, you sneeze or you jump or you laugh too hard and oops, there's a little bit of leaking going on. Correct. And so, you know, it's always a great idea to get a medical exam to really get a, a pelvic exam just to determine are there causes going on? Is there a degree of bladder prolapse that might be surgical? Are there other issues going on that can be treated medically? But let's say you are healthy and indeed you've got stress urinary incontinence. Then the question comes, you know, it's probably a good idea to, to determine parameters, to, to kind of the metrics of it. So for example, how many times in a week do you have a little bit of leakage? Or is it a daily thing? And when you leak, how much do you leak? Is it something that you have to wear pads, you know, multiple pads in a day's time? Or is it just a little bit of leakage? Because I think it's also fair to say that if someone is really having a lot of heavy, heavy symptoms. Maybe the pelvic floor is so, maybe it's damaged or maybe it's very, very weakened. Again, that might not be the best type of patient for this as well. Right. Well, and, and in my case, I will discuss, you know, my experience with it is, you know, I didn't have any underlying medical issues and I didn't have any leakage, but I drink a lot of water. I mean, I drink over a gallon of water a day and I all day and, and into the evening. So I go a lot. And during the day, that's it's not a problem. But at night, you know, when you're trying to sleep, I was probably getting up four or five times a night. And after I, uh, after I completed the series on the Emsula chair, I was probably down. It didn't make it completely go away, but I had strengthened my pelvic floor muscle to where I was maybe just getting up once or twice a night. So it did make a difference for me. And that's impactful for your spouse too, sitting beside you, sleeping beside you as well. Well, and I got a, my quality of life just with my sleep was so much better. Sure. And a lot of the studies are looking at that. They're looking at the quality of life of what this does for the quality of life and the improvement with it. But but that's a good point is that it's not just for females. It's also for males as well. It's FDA cleared for both males and females. Sometimes with the male population, it's a little bit different in the sense that after prostate surgery or just having benign prostatic hypertrophy, you know, prostate related issues, that's the reason why they they have more of these issues. But you also bring up a good point that, you know, behavioral changes can also make an impact, meaning that don't drink water after a certain time period, like maybe after 8.30, you know, just try to minimize it so that you can sleep a little bit better. But what this does, let's talk about the what of this. This utilizes something called HIFEM technology, which that stands for high intensity, fo high intensity focus electromagnetic energy. And what it's doing is it's magnetic energy to stimulate the muscles of the pelvic floor. And what it creates is supramaximal contractions. And Kane, do you know what I mean by that? Yes, yeah, supra is where it, it contracts beyond what you could do on your own, I believe. 
That's exactly right. So if we were to say, hey, can you do some Kegel exercises? Well, we can create this contraction, but when you use electromagnetic energy, this this high intense intensity energy, you can go above your normal amplitude of contracture. So you can create greater contracture, which leads also to muscle hypertrophy. They've showed this on MRIs. And that also relates to greater of the muscle. What do you mean? It, w- w- muscle hypertrophy is shown on MRIs. What, what does that mean? They can see the thickening of the muscle, that how it thickens the muscle and how when there's slight bladder prolapse, how it kind of lifts that bladder up a little bit too. That's been shown on MRI. Because that's, this is one of those, those things where you, you don't, you can't, there's not going to be a visual change. So, but there is a visual change when you do it. An through MRI. an MRI, yeah, it yeah. Can actually, you can actually see the change in the thickening of the muscle. Correct. And so what the type of changes, so why is this important? Well, we have this little tube called a urethra, which basically connects the bladder to the outside of the world. And at the very end of the urethra is a little tiny sphincter. And it's basically the strength of the pelvic floor muscles that allows the sphincter to remain closed at times of increased intra-abdominal pressure. And so if you are, you know, coughing or sneezing, this remains closed when when your pelvic floor is strong and doing the things it needs to be doing. But as it weakens, which it weakens with age, it weakens, you know, as we go through menopause and our diminished estrogen can also weaken this pelvic floor. And even after vaginal birth. So even in younger patients, they can have weakening in the first year post-vaginal birth. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I've heard a lot of is, is childbirth. Right, um, right. And so those patients can benefit. But as that weakens, then what happens is there is, when our intra-abdominal pressure increases, then that little sphincter opens up and we get a little bit of leakage. And so certainly conditioning the pelvic floor muscles again by trying to do Kegel exercises can strengthen this, but certainly by doing the Emsula chair, which gives you about it gives you thousands of contractions in that 28-minute period. Right. So when you talk about a supra maximal contraction, it's a super maximal contraction times thousands in 28 minutes. Right. And what you can notice is, so the treatment consists of six treatments, which are delivered twice a week for three weeks. And what you can notice is even after your first treatment, that you can kegel better. You can focus on those muscles and kegel them better than you could prior to. It's almost like they become deconditioned over time. And this allows us to re-educate ourselves on contracting those muscles. And I'm trying to think of a visual on, you know, when we talk about the pelvic floor muscles, in my mind, it's kind of like a hammock, right? And, and initially that hammock is, is, taut. is taut, you know, it's somewhat tight. But as you, as you sit in it over time and, and years and years and years, it starts to sag. And you kind of lose that, uh, the tautness. And eventually you're sagging so much, you're kind of sitting on the ground. <laughs> Well, you're losing the benefits of what that musculature does. And and what's so interesting too, Kane, is so when you look at the studies, you know, eight out of 10 patients are going to get results. Now, two out of 10 may not get results. And that's important to know and to stress as well. But eight out of 10 patients will receive results from this. And the type of results they can achieve are about a 65% improvement in symptoms. So it doesn't mean it cures it. It doesn't mean that you'll never wet again. It means that if you're waking up, you know, three times at night to, to use the restroom, it might be diminished down to one. Well, that was my experience, right? right About five right. to two. Yeah. Or if you're, you know, leaking on a daily basis, well, maybe you're only leaking 
twice a week. And maybe the amount of leakage is less because you're getting some control over that, over the pelvic floor to kind of contract the sphincter of the urethra again. So it it improves the symptoms. And I think the studies really show the quality of life is improved with this, that changing the pads out aren't there, all those type of things, the quality of life is improved. And that's what I experienced is that when I sneeze or laugh really hard, I'm not, sometimes I still have to cross my legs, but I'm not always doing that. I feel more comfortable in that regard. Well, I want to go back to where you had said about 80% will, will have satisfactory results and 20% really don't. Is there a way, so you know, for eight out of 10 patients, is there a way to kind of identify you might be in the 80% category versus the 20% category? Is it really just a crapshoot? Well, there are some things you could rule out. Like there are some patients, and for, so for example, if someone has really, really extensive symptoms, they might not, they might mean that that pelvic floor is so weak that that the amount of strength that they're going to get from this may not be enough to show benefits. So it can be kind of too far gone. It can be too far gone. Or if someone is obese, that increases the pressure, the intra-abdominal pressure, and that might also not give the type of results that you want to see as well. So those are things you can screen out. Now, in, in regards to contraindications, we patients that are not candidates for this are patients who have metal in the area. Because remember, this electromagnetic energy can can contract about 10 centimeters upward. So no metal in the spine, no you know copper IUDs either, because that can impact with the electromagnetic energy, and no pacemakers and and those type of things, defibrillators, you know, implantable defibrillators, et cetera. Those are patients that are contraindicated. Okay. So now I want to go back to the 80% that did have satisfactory results. Is there a way to kind of generalize who, what type of patient that would would fall into that category? So the answer is kind of no. So when we have a device called MSculpt, which is also made by this company, BTL, those patients, I can visually see that if they've got more than two centimeters of, of subcutaneous fat, they might not show the results as much as patients that are leaner. I can't really necessarily see that with these type of patients, but I will say patients with who've had examinations and have noted pelvic floor prolapse, excuse me, bladder prolapse, or that are that is at a greater extent or other conditions can certainly be ruled out as well. But it, no, otherwise it's hard to discern. But the majority of patients will show a benefit, so that's right. important to note as well. Right, eighty percent, and that can range from younger patients that maybe have given you know childbirth up to you know, the menopausal patient. Correct. And what's also interesting is it's not just improvement with stress urinary incontinence, but they've also shown that it also improves sexual function and sexual satisfaction because what it does is it improves that pelvic floor strength, which allows for better orgasms, for stronger orgasms, and these contractions also increase blood flow, which improves sensation and just the whole sexual pleasure component. And we've actually had that feedback. We have. We've had patients describe that. And there is actually, so while it's seen as a secondary benefit, there is a study that actually just looked at this. They looked at 75 patients, female patients that had poor sexual function and satisfaction, and they found indeed that in the majority of these patients, they improved as well. So that's kind of a nice little secondary benefit. So to just kind of summarize the MCLA chair, again, it's it's a series of six treatments twice a week. Correct. For three weeks, that equals six. Mm-hmm. 
and and what else? And so it's important to know that it's not that you do a series of this and you're and you're good for life. It's a muscle that has to be retrained and has to be worked on and, and strengthened. So we have different options where patients can come in to maintain these results with, you know, a month or three months or whatever that might be for them. Okay. And so, so the, you know, maintenance is, is appropriate and it's really appropriate for a, a lot of different people, both men and women. And, and you can expect to see good results. Don't expect a cure, but there's been a lot of people that experience satisfactory results so much. So again, that in Charlotte, I mean, you see it advertised on TV. You, you certainly do. And I think that's important is that to set expectations is that this will not cure you. This will benefit the majority of the patients that do it, and it'll improve the quality of life in those patients. All right. So that's it. That's what we've got for today. And I hope you all have, again, a wonderful start to the new year. And thank you so, so much for your listenership. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Bye-bye.